yeah, it might be if you're running it inside your organization, but hopefully then your security department will start trampling into your room and say like, hey, you're not supposed to do this. If they don't, well, you apply the Terraform. Have a conversation with your security people. Excellent idea. Welcome to the DevSec for Scale podcast, the show that makes security a first-class citizen for growing companies. Welcome back, everyone, to the DevSec for Scale podcast. Today, again with me is Jeroen Willemsen. And uh, Jeroen, last time we spoke about the trends around uh, OWASP secrets management, uh, you know, OWASP security in general, as well as secrets management more you know, specifically. And I wanted to now touch this time on the Wrong Secrets Project, which we made a small mention of last time. And the Wrong Secrets Project is a really cool way for uh, users to get a real feel, hands-on feel for a real environment and to be able to understand what it means when you have secrets issues and you have challenges that you created for users. So can you give us a little bit about the background and and the fact that you're now supporting, you know, all those, you know, other types of environments, you know, Heroku, Octeto, Fly.io, Azure, GCP, AWS, et cetera, et cetera. So tell us a little bit about Wrong Secrets and this multi-cloud environment setup that you have. Of course. So um, thanks for being back. Um, uh, so we um, uh, uh, um, uh, we started out with setting up this uh, uh, the, the secret challenges, as in things we saw in the wild, right? That will go that could possibly go wrong. Uh, uh, like a year ago, where we just mostly focused on, hey, what could go wrong when you put stuff in Docker, or GitHub, or in Kubernetes? And then quickly, the question, of course, became like, okay, but what about your cloud provider? Hmm. Okay. Um, let's first model this for AWS. And then people came to us like. That's very interesting. Does this also hold for Azure? Does this also hold for GCP? Well, obviously it does, we just need to show you. So <laughs> we started making it multi-cloud for multiple environments. And then soon the amount of questions started uh, growing, um, like, okay, but how about, um, you know, hiding stuff in binary and stuff like that? Or what about modern work free smart contracts? Um, so, so that way the challenges kept growing, but at the same time, um, people wanted to have easy access. So while we have the three cloud providers really to show what could go wrong inside those clouds, we have the three other providers like Fly.io, uh, Octito, uh, and um, uh, uh, Heroku to basically allow people to jump in quickly. Because some people have trouble running Docker locally for some reason, or have trouble running Kubernetes Minikube setup locally. So then using these services, we can allow them to at least do the Docker and the Kubernetes challenges so they can get a feeling for, ah, that's why I shouldn't do this, basically. Just as a simple starter, basically. And so, yeah, so th this basically gives any developer or anyone that wants to just try it uh, to find where their issues in terms of secrets around any of their environments, whether it's in, you know, uh, a YAML file somewhere, whether it's in some other script, whether it's, you know, just kind of out in the open on some GitHub repo. Um, so exactly. So we're talking a bit about the multi-cloud idea that you have here. Um, what would you recommend in terms of following the multi-cloud strategy? And, you know, when does that improve, let's say, resiliency of an organization versus what it could cause, you know, somewhat negatively, what like the versus the negative impacts that it might have? So for multi-cloud, it means you need to have knowledge, not just for one cloud, but for multiple clouds, like, you know, multi-cloud strategy. And that's just, how do I make it work? But also, how do I secure this? And when you start off thinking like, oh, we always run on, uh, on AWS and secrets manage, this is the way how to do it. Now we're going to deploy a similar thing to Azure Key Vault. You'll find out it's different, but you might find out a little bit too late during your first major incident. 
Right. So apparently you need more knowledge, which also means you need more people or possibly, you know, overworked people that have knowledge of both clouds to actually secure that stuff. Um, so before you go multi-cloud for means of resilience, it might be a very good idea to first have a control of your current cloud you're currently in. Um, and when you start multi-cloud, make sure you do the same thing for the next cloud. And if it's for resilience because you want to change strategies in order to make it harder for an attacker to understand what to do next, um, that might be very worthwhile. But if you don't trust the cloud vendor to survive, eh, there is a large chance the cloud vendor will live longer than your company does. So it might not make sense for that to move multi-cloud. Um, and when we started this project off first, like first on uh, AWS, it was all like fun and games, but we didn't touch Azure that much, but we did touch GCP a lot. But now during upgrading, we found out that every time you upgrade a Kubernetes version, every of the cloud vendors will give you different type of work to resolve because they have decided to do something different. Um, and that difference can be very nasty. Uh, so before you know what to do, um, you again need more resources to actually be able to do something very well, supposedly trivial, like moving to a newer Kubernetes version. Well, that, uh, you know, I mean, should be in principle, a simple update command, right? Upgrade command, right? Not should. Yes. So, well, all right. So in terms of, in terms of, again, continuing on that, you know, sort of security track um you know when we're talking about multi-cloud what would you recommend as like first steps let's say just to secure one cloud environment you know not not all of them let's just say you're talking about your the one that you have that you're starting with let's say aws whatever it is what are what are some recommendations you have there so my first recommendation would just to make it work because we have nothing to secure we don't have business running so before we say like oh you're not supposed to use this rule or whatever you know Let's just first make sure you have something working before you start securing. When you start securing, start with IAM, uh, as in whether that's, you know, uh, the, the roles and responsibilities defined in your AD and Azure, or whether you're on AWS and AWS AAM is your, is your funding games uh, place. Just start over there. Start, well, like a joke we made earlier before the call, uh, look for stars and replace them with actual resources, <laughs> replace them with actual operations you need. So you can at least tie down to something useful. And then you can see like, hey, do we still have a toxic combination left? As in, is somebody who's supposed to be able to just consume resources also able to create new policies so we can escalate? Or is there another way to do other things? Once you got that figured out in policy level, then let's start hardening. Because once you got the policy level defined properly, you can already reduce impact a lot in many places in terms of, hey, let's assume somebody was able to get to this role. What can he do? Well, if it's not star, it shouldn't be too much. Um, but if you give star everywhere, you're gonna, you know, it's going to be a water hose. There, there, there's no end to it. And then once you did first your IAM parts, then start looking at hardening whatever you run inside the cloud as a workload. Um, of course, you should do both. You shouldn't stop at the IAM level. I think that's a very insecure idea. But the hardening game is a continuous thing because whatever software lives over there needs to be continuously patched, blah, blah, blah. But let's start with just understanding what do you have running? Where do you have it running? And what access privileges does that actually require before we run into anything else? Absolutely. So let's go back to the Wrong Secrets project uh, and, and talk a little about that. You know, uh, having a look at sort of like that, the Terraform that you guys are using uh, to spin up the environment and all that. It seems like a pretty simple, basic type of, you know, nothing spectacular. So um, would you think that this is a great way for people to sort of, you know, get started if they wanted to go ahead and start using it? 
Yeah, I think if you use a Terraform, we, you can really have a low-cost environment. So we used managed nodes with um, uh, low performance parameters because you just run a single Spring Boot application in there, nothing really fancy. Um, and a nice thing is if you've never done any cloud projects, feel free to just copy it and start from there onward if you want to have some managed Kubernetes environment inside the cloud. Because we are still patching it and trying to uh, keep it as a relatively basic, secure thing. One thing to do note, um, if you're using this, make sure you have a clean account where you have admin rights, because otherwise you might end up as in, because your organization policies might say like, oh, you're not supposed to do this. Because one of the challenges, for instance, is doing IAM privilege escalation. So in every three clouds, we made some insecure, funny thing that allows somebody to jump from one role to another in a way that is specific to that given cloud. Um, uh, so uh, the cloud provider. So um, yeah, it might be if you're running it inside your organization that hopefully then your security department will start trampling into your room and say like, hey, you're not supposed to do this. If they don't, well, you apply the Terraform. Have a conversation with your security people. Excellent idea. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so it's obviously that's one of the things we see in general, you know, also along the lines of the, the previous mention of, of having a, you know, anywhere you have a star, you better replace it with something more specific. I also had a conversation recently with a, a friend in, in the security side and said the same thing, said more DevOps side. And, and he just said, everyone at the end of the day just kind of gets a little bit upset and angry and frustrated with what they're, the work they're trying to do and they can't have the right permissions ever. And they all just end up putting a star and just say, you know what, give everyone access. Let's, let's open up the environment and just get it done. And then it's like, okay, well, I guess it's okay to do it for like a minute or two while you get in there and finish what you need to do. But then we have to, you know, put it back to what it was. Right. And then they go, oh, well, I forgot to tell you know, our admin to actually change it back. So I guess you just kept it open now for anyone. Um, and so same same thing with, uh, you know, obviously running a Terraform script, obviously you have to have all the right permission profile for that uh, to run as well. So um, going forward a little bit about the challenges uh, with uh, with the Wrong Secrets project. Again, uh, I'll link to the, pro the project in the show notes as well. And uh, it's an open source project. Of course, anyone can can join and people can also uh, give back, right? They can feel free to add code, you know, push as well. And of course, you'll review it and all that. Um, so you're obviously adding new challenges constantly and things like that. So, you know, I know you have like for, you know, Git, Docker, Kubernetes, of course, other, you know, clouds as well uh, for, for secrets management applications. Um, what, what made you include, let's say any of those challenges or, or what makes you want to include newer challenges? Um, and would that mean that like Nomad or Heroku itself are, are safe for this? Or is it just like KeyPass that has password issues or something else? So um, uh, we mostly added challenges based on um, what we saw in the wild. And when, you know, in conversations like these or uh, at meetups or conferences, uh, people told us like, hey, have you ever seen this or that? Like, for instance, the latest issues that have been filed from the, uh, the OWASP Stamtig uh, in uh, uh, Germany, where we had a meeting about uh, this project. And they said like, hey, have you ever, for instance, seen, um, uh, you know, people asking for support um, 
And they're saying like, hey, it's not working because my API key seems to be broken. This is my API key, secret API key right there in the comments. And then the operator will go like, oh, that is the wrong key. Have you tried secret API key right there in the ticket? <laughs> With then the conclusion of the other guy, yes, this works. Please close this ticket. Um, <laughs> you know, these sort of things. I was like, would anybody be dumb enough? Oh, yes. I saw in customer X and Y actually too. I saw this happen literally. Oh yeah, that's actually a great challenge to add. So this is one of the things being listed to be added. So most of these things are coming from the wild. Now, given that we are a mostly a Kubernetes stack, um, because that was basically how we started developing, we haven't looked in enough into Nomad, for instance, to put the same thing over there. But the same thing holds over there. If wrong policies are configured for your Nomad workload, you can also still you know, get whatever secrets is out there. It's as similar as Kubernetes. It's just based on different principles. Well, the same world, the same problems uh, apply there. Now, for um, Heroku, we have something like Heroku Secrets, which um, you can, of course, also put in Git to have something as infrastructure as code as how you would, or how some people explain infrastructure as code would be, by by hard coding all the definitions of your Heroku deployments, including the secrets you need to get. So you end up with the same thing as Kubernetes. We just didn't create a specific Heroku challenge yet because we figured like, eh. If we do that, wouldn't we um, then now require people to run all the environments next to each other? So that's why we haven't included it. But unfortunately, it's the same problem. And with, um, for instance, well, so so we um, uh, regarding the passwords, um, uh, we we for instance uh, the password managers we we uh, included KeePass because it's open source. But if somebody at operator or at uh, admin level is able to reduce the minimum password strength requirements for his users in one pass or in a last pass or one password or whatever, you end up with the same problem. If you can, you know, have a weak password to your password manager, you end up with the same problem. So, so yeah, it's unfortunately all insecure, but we sometimes just need to make choices on which platform to support. Otherwise, if somebody needs to do the journey through all the challenges, he can either never finish because he doesn't have a license to password manager, whatever, um, or he needs to spin up so many environments in parallel that will be uh, will be a drag. But what might be interesting actually is, for instance, for the Kubernetes inf, uh, um, challenge down to think of it is, hey, if we detect you're running on Heroku, let's switch one of the Kubernetes challenges into a Heroku challenge. As in, hey, the same thing applies over here. Can you find the secret? That's actually quite interesting. I'll um, I'll take that. Um, as an issue uh, later on in the Git project, I'm actually interested. Um, have you uh, have you really followed? Is there any way for you to follow statistics of users and how many users you've had using it? How far they've gotten? Um, if there's like one or two challenges that are sort of like the most uh, used because they feel like it's it's like the easiest. Has anyone tried like the really hard challenges? Um, and and successfully found them, you know, and, and passed them. So we only have those statistics when we run CTFs because we don't try to track our users too much. We do see, for instance, if you go to, uh, for instance, the Roku uh, instance at, uh, um, and we'll show the links later, of course, the wrong secrets of HerokuApp.com. Uh, if you go to stats, you can see the amount of online users currently using it and the same holds for uh, the wrong secrets uh, uh, at Optito, at Um And what we sometimes see is, um, uh, is indeed that there is some, um, uh, uh, that, that, that uh, 
can see if it compares pop up the uh, the amount. So currently, this wasn't this two... was this wasn't planned. This was no. This is definitely not, not even in our planned questions. <laughs> no. Yeah. So 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 right now we have about two active users doing something because we only see when a challenge is being activated. So there is a session setup where score is uh, kept. We don't see specifically all the challenges, but we see the score uh, um, the score uh, session being set up. So somebody is playing. Um, so in general, uh, throughout the day, there's always, well, there's mostly one of the four environments is up, like either it's one of the two Heroku instances or it's the uh, uh, fly at the dev or it's the Optito environment. So there is, there is pretty much consumption of it. Um, during CTS, we can see, of course, targeted who is resolving which flags of CTFD or Facebook CTF. And then we see like the first challenges are often being solved, like the Docker ones and the Git ones. Um, you often see the more red team type of people go straight for the binary because that's what they know <laughs> and get those results. Um, uh, and, um, and, but from their own word, it's actually more of a mixed thing. So depending on whoever is attending the CTF, you'll go through a certain amount of challenges. But mostly the first challenges get solved rather quickly. The Kubernetes ones get solved rather quickly. Some guys go or girls go to the binary ones and the rest is more like... Um, uh, mixed, so it takes a while before they're ever addressed. Actually, only by those people who are persistent, they often just solve everything, so including their password manager settings, for instance. And uh, you just had uh, a, a CTF uh, recently. Do you want to tell us a little bit about where that was, how it was, anything interesting, any other you know, things that you gleaned, any gleanings, learnings from that? Yeah, so we, we, uh, we ran it for two commercial organizations that didn't want to uh, get their names exposed, so we don't put them on the repo either. Apologies for that. Um, one was with a small party, and one was with at most 200 people. And um, uh, the first nice thing was that we found out that um, the setup is really scalable. So in, so you can run, for instance, wrong secrets itself in CTF mode, just on the Heroku deployment or whatever. But then you have a shared instance. Next to that, we made the, Hero, uh, the wrong secret CTF party repository where we have a fully multi-tenant scalable uh, uh, namespace isolated uh, uh, Kubernetes setup without the scaling. So every player gets its own namespace uh, with network isolation, namespace isolation, context security, uh, applied everything to it. And you, in that namespace, you have two things. One is a web top, like your normal Linux web top with a bunch of things packed in there so you can actually execute whatever you need to do inside the CTF. Um, and one is an instance of wrong secret. So you can start fuzzing that, you can start you know, breaking it completely down, because if you would break it, you don't break it for other people. And with the all uh, liveness and readiness checks, blah, 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 you know, if you really broke it, we'll just delete the pod automatically and give you a new one in your deployment so you can continue to play. Um, uh, and that showed to be very successful. The company that had a larger group of players, I think spent about just 14 bucks per day because of course, during a CTF, if you have a multi-day CTF, nobody plays all together. And if they do, it's not like everybody starts spinning up immediately because people got things to do right next to it. So we could really um, yeah, keep the cost low. And it worked really well. Um, we've asked uh, uh, online for multiple uh, known uh, hackers, like can you, you know, try to break into it? Can you try to break out of it? Can you be annoying to other people's namespaces? So far, not really. The only thing they could do is break their own thing or break the node or fill up part of the hard drive on the node where they were running. Um, and then automatically they would get evicted and the node would be cleaned up. Everybody would go to a different space and just continue playing. 
so yeah, that was overall a pretty interesting Kubernetes uh, uh, security exercise. Uh, and and, and um, yeah, so if you're if you're listening this or watching this, um, feel free to try it out and let us know what you think. Um, yes, the documentation is not completed yet, but if you just follow the scripts in the AWS folder in the main folder, it should be over. Great. Now, um, so going back to uh, the project itself, the you know application has kind of a, quite a few dependencies, um, you know, from different ecosystems, of course, you know, so that Terraform, NPM, Maven, et cetera. So it's a bit to maintain and uh, you're not a lot of people, <laughs> you and Ben, yes. you're two people, you're two people. So, you know, how, how do you, <laughs> how do you maintain them? What, what's the story there? So to start off, that's actually pretty hard because um, you mentioned a few ecosystems here and some of the um, assets that we consume within that ecosystem are unstable and correct. Like, yeah, we have a new version. Oh yeah, what we by the way did is, you know, you have to rename the following import to the following thing and then it might work. And when you do so, all the mythicals need to be refactored as well. <laughs> so, but of course it starts with knowing that there's an update. So for that, we use GitHub's Dependabot. So Dependabot scans everything. Um, to give ourselves sanity, we keep the default checks of, you know, give us as most five assets per ecosystem in a pull per, 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 per check and then just create pull requests for us so we can update. And to be honest, the Maven ecosystem, the Spring Boot ecosystem works fairly well. Of course, we only get the main assets inside of our thing, not the transitive dependencies, only the main dependencies, which is good enough for us because otherwise you get breaking, you know, API changes between the transitive dependency and the main. We don't want to go there. And for Terraform, this also works. For NPM, we often just hit the warning limit and say, hey, we have above five threat, above five pull requests ready for you because you know whatever happened to your uh, uh, package.json. And then with all the weird changes and immature stuff happening there, for us, it's still um, an interesting challenge. That, that, that actually is consuming most of the time. Well, it actually is just a very small part of our stack um because well we have some examples that run in the front end and the ctf party is running on uh, mostly on, uh, on javascript dependencies so there all the stuff happens continuously but the rest of the ecosystem thanks to dependable is um rather easy to maintain we get monthly updates and patches or notifications so every month we at least have a minor release upgrade where we make sure everything works with the latest and greatest um but that yeah um apart from npm that, that's quite some maintenance indeed already and you're looking for volunteers who want to join the team, right? Yeah. If you feel like, hey, hey, I can make this much more simple, and I got some nifty ideas to to you know uh, uh, speed this up without you know letting OWASP pay to some commercial vendor a thousand buckaroonies per month. Um, yeah, uh, feel free to let us know. Uh, come join uh, or just file a PR. That can already be an, a huge step forward, right? So we can at least uh, find an alternative if required um, and streamline the process furthermore. And make sure when you put your note in the PR, uh, what you're what you're doing, make sure to say that you heard it on this podcast. So <laughs> that way <Yes>. we know. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. That will be it will be awesome. Definitely, definitely. Like put code DevSec, you know, and uh, get a get a free T-shirt or something. We we could talk about that. Do you have T-shirts yet? Do you have swag? We don't have swag yet. Um, we uh, haven't put time into that we we as you can tell from the amount of code written over the last months uh last year if you look at our flows we've spent an, a huge amount of spare time on that that also um gave us some feedback on our social environments from time to time to be honest <laughs> um uh, 
<laughs> uh, but we didn't spend time on actually marketing. Um, I'm a content-driven guy, um, and that also doesn't really help. So I'm very grateful for this podcast to get the word out. <laughs> I hope that we can help. I hope that we can help. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Thank you we'll so do much. our best. Um, awesome. we'll, we'll just call it a budget issue for now. Um, yes. <laughs> time budget, mostly. Definitely. Definitely. So you guys, how, how long has Wrong Secrets been running now? So I don't know, I forget, I always pop up GitHub because GitHub has this committers graph that speaks the, 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 the ugly truth about how long this adventure is going on, right? Because it always feels like just a couple of months. But the reality is, uh, well, of course, making some time or popping this up, is that it started as an actual, yeah, it started beginning of uh, uh, October last year, um, uh, end of September last year to become an OWASP project and get revamped. But the actual first iteration of the project where we had like just five challenges to make a point in, in an uh, all-day DevOps conference, that was in October 2021, I believe. Yeah, 2020. That was in uh, October. 2020, that's two years ago. So yeah, you're celebrating your two-year anniversary of that and you're celebrating your one-year anniversary of being uh, part of the OWASP project. Uh, umbrella which is fantastic so actually uh, yes exactly and so one big... let's throw a part we're throwing a party for you here see <laughs> awesome awesome yeah we got one announcement to make regarding that and we'll soon make a public over channels so right till now the project has been in my personal github repo and that makes it to some people feel like it's oh it's human's pet project let's not do anything with it because you know the guy might run off with that so what we want to do is to make sure that we don't run off with stuff is to either put it under the OWASP umbrella uh, GitHub organization or create a wrong secrets organization where all the different repositories will go to so that when people feel like I want to contribute but I don't want to be you know, halfly stashed away behind your name because you know your name is in the URL, blah blah blah. Um, then all these things get lifted, hopefully, uh, and make it easier to collaborate without having any uh, uh, doubts about intentions from us uh, wanting to give you a platform to help us out. That's great. That that took a little bit, I think, of my next question, which is probably the last question, which was asking about the future of the project. So we know the repo is now going to be moved, probably you know, to a place that's not just under your name. So what are the other things that you have in mind? Do you have like a, a manifesto or, or some sort of running, uh, you know, document of ideas? What's what's going to happen, what you're planning in the future? So most of that is uh, for Wrong Secrets itself is inside a GitHub project. So if you go to the uh, GitHub uh, repository, you'll find projects and there you'll find a project of stuff that we're doing and stuff that we listed and a to-do, meaning that if you file a ticket, it doesn't mean we necessarily write, we'll do it, and that's it ends up in a to-do column. That means that we see value in it and we really want to get that done eventually. Um, and there's a bunch of things. So so one is, of course, the yaddy yaddy paperwork, thank you, dear, blah, 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 for us running a feed service on blah, 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 for multiple companies, which I'm not saying a bit awkward, but I'm really grateful for the fact that we can. Uh, we just want to, you know, uh, put it in writing properly in a way that everybody knows like ah okay they can develop this code because for instance idea into uh helped us with professional intelligent licenses on our private computers so we could speed up the java development and that's we're really grateful but we have to you know put these things in then there's a bunch of lcm stuff and then there's a bunch of challenges we want to add um and next to that we want to uh make it easier to run it in the future but also um um uh, make sure that it's it becomes it remains maintainable so that it doesn't grow all over the place so that's basically the, the major directives we're we're heading off for um and next to that um 
we also we already have that secret uh, detection test bed and what what we want to do is eventually end up with a bunch of pipelines or github actions running that just show if you plug in this secret detector it's open source variant look at the findings that it has and compare it now to the other ones now make your own decision on what you want to do with that um, and by that we hope to just show vendor independently look this is what these tools are doing and if you want to have another commercial tool and the vendor comes to you and says like we have the best detection tool in the world we do much better than whatever clone our github repository test it and compare it to the outcome of the actual github action so then you know we we can uh stop the wally wally sales and start the actual hey this is factual helping you or not at all type of thing that that's what we're mostly aiming for um but all of these will take a lot of time because for now we first need to wrap up the ctf party to you know make it clean in terms of documentation and home chart and stuff like that migrate all things to a proper organization and then we'll start revving up that doesn't mean that we are not open to changes of all the things that we just discussed so if you feel like Oh, you don't even have to wait for you to finish all that jazz. Let me file a pull request. You're more than welcome. In return, we don't have swag. We just mention you in the list of top contributors. Um, and you can put it on your resume as in, hey, I'm an OWASP top contributor for Wong Secrets. Believe it or not, we have people in the top contributor list attesting that it helped in getting their next gig. So um, feel free to jump around. Fantastic. Jeroen, thank you so much for your time again. And this is two episodes. We still have a third episode coming up, and I hope that we get Ben on this time as well. Uh, but we are going to talk a lot more about sort of like the practical aspects of secrets management, multi-cloud strategy, how to put it all together, everything we've talked about until now. And uh, we're going to talk a lot, I think, uh, about sort of like how this can fit into a real uh, a work production environment uh, and how you can you know, ensure that your strategy around secrets management at least is complete and not just, you know, oh, we, we put, we implemented this one thing and now we're ready to go, right? So it, it should be a, a fun, a fun discussion and uh, hopefully we will get to that soon. Uh, but for now, thanks so much for your time. Good luck, keep it up. And uh, we hope to uh, speak again very soon. All right, thank you so much for having me and have a great week. And as always, to all the listeners, stay secure. Have a good one.